Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. It's Monday, October 18th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. I'm Katrina Liebick with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Yero, the other co-host of this podcast. We're talking about co-host salmon with sport fisheries biologist Brandy Baker from the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. Specifically, we're talking about the cohos that make it all the way up to the Delta Clearwater River, which is a tributary in the Yukon River network of waters in interior Alaska. Before we start, we do want to note that all fishing at this location was closed this year due to low numbers of returning salmon. We also want to express our heartfelt sympathies for all of the people and communities along the Yukon and in other areas of Alaska who have depended on salmon for countless generations and are experiencing salmon declines in their areas too. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you. Good morning. Okay, so when we look at the salmon picture in Alaska in terms of when the different species are returning to spawn each year, cohos tend to be later in the year. We were wondering if you could speak to this a bit generally for cohos and also in the context of the Yukon River geography, since that Clearwater River is pretty upstream. Yeah, so the coho salmon are the last, one of the last species to return into the Yukon River. And in addition to that, the Tanana River, which is a drainage of the Yukon River, they progress all the way up pretty much past the border, but to the Tanana River drainage. And timing is just later because they're having to travel so many more river miles. They're also entering the Yukon later, and they're using those freshwater upwelling streams closer to the Tanana to spawn in. Okay. And how far upriver are we talking from the mouth of the Yukon, just to put folks in perspective here? Over a thousand miles, so just over like 1,050 miles till they get to the clear water. That's crazy. But just in general, in Delta Junction itself, there's quite a few coho salmon spawning areas. The Delta Clearwater River is the only sustainable escapement salmon goal we have for coho salmon within the Yukon River drainage. So these fish are traveling a lot of miles to get there. If you have one in hand, what do they look like at this point when they reach the Delta Clearwater? So the coho salmon in the Delta Clearwater, earlier in the season, around you know late September, they'll be a little bit brighter silver. They're starting to turn their blush red, but you can still see some components of silver. Then as we progress later into the season, further into October, when it gets to their peak spawning time, they turn a real bright red, either candy apple red or kind of a brownish burnt red. So it varies depending on the timing that they're entering the Delta Clearwater River. So now the, the Clearwater River, when I think of the Yukon and the Tanana, I think of this water that's super turbid, kind of a gray, milky color. So is, is Clearwater, is that just kind of an ironic name or is the water actually clear up there? The water is actually crystal clear. So they're springs that come in from the Alaska range. So there's like an upwelling that surfaces up and the water is actually crystal clear. And it runs in the Delta Clearwater River the entire winter stays open. It doesn't freeze. That sounds beautiful. Is there something in particular that the cohos like about those upwellings that draws them to that river? Yeah, I mean, they just, they're looking for those clear water springs basically to rear and spawn in. So the Tanana River itself is a glacial fed river, but in the fall time, it starts to clear as the glaciers stop producing glacial snow melt, ice melt into the river the sediment settles out and because those flows are going lower. And so the actual Tanana River gets clear and those chum salmon also spawn in the main stem Tanana and the coho tend to go to the Clearwater Springs for whatever reason. 
we're searching out that incubation temperature probably from the upwelling. What other species share that river with the cohos? Like what can folks see this time of year? So in the Delta Clearwater River specifically towards the lower end, about the last three miles, there's usually chum salmon that share some of the lower end of the spawning area. So there are no kings that spawn in the Clearwater, but king salmon or Chinook have been seen in the Delta Clearwater River. And more recently, I've been getting reports of king salmon in the Delta Clearwater River and whether or not they're looking for just some cooler water because of the water temperatures in the Yukon and Tanana being warmer at the time, who knows, but that they're not known to spawn or to have viable spawning in the Delta Clearwater River. I'm curious, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about them that Clearwater is the only drainage or sub-drainage within the Yukon that actually has escapement goals. Uh, can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, so it's basically the largest known aggregation of coho salmon in the Yukon River drainage. In the early 2000s, there was a rated telemetry study done on Chinook salmon. Then later into 2008 was rated telemetry study done on chum salmon. So slowly through time, we've been gaining more information on where some of these salmon species are going in the Yukon River drainage itself. But as far as anybody is aware at this point in time, the Delta Clearwater River is the largest spawning escapement of coho salmon. Thank you. And I'm curious. So one, what is the actual uh, typical yearly escapement goal for these fish? And then how do you determine if you've met that goal? The sustainable escapement goal is 5,200 to 17,000 fish. And every four to fish cycle, the salmon escapement goal is usually revisited. And any of the additional data that we gain from escapement surveys, we reevaluate and look to see if we need to adjust that goal or not. The escapement goal is kind of gauged by boat surveys. So we have a six-foot tower mounted on the front of the boat that we motor an 18-mile stretch of the Delta Clearwater River where we can count the salmon. The first initial count is done in September, usually around the 24th to the 27th. We kind of try to get a gauge of that initial run in the lower eight miles of the river. And depending on that count, we may or may not put any restrictions on the sport fishery component. Then towards the end of October, as late as we can get the boat into the river and count without as much without much shelf ice along the side or too many carcasses, then we get an idea if we've met that escapement goal or not without making restrictions, or if we did make restrictions, did we still make that count? Now, if you're dealing with these potentially tens of thousands of fish, if it's a good year, how many fish are you having to count at a time? Are you ever having to estimate, guesstimate, like, ah, I just saw a, like a hundred fish and try and count that? Or, or how are you trained to sort of take that on? Yes, the Delta Clearwater River is divided into river miles. And so we'll start as far up in the headwaters as we can go at River Mile 18. And through time, you start to learn where most of the salmon are going to be. Like there's some pools and there's some riffle sections where you don't usually find them. So when it's a bigger escapement year, I tend to start looking and seeing as I'm traveling upriver, you kind of get a gauge on where you're going to need to be ready for bigger counts. And so I'll use one click is 25 salmon. I can proportion about a 25 
group of salmon. And so there is, you know, some slight variability within the number. For, for the most part, it's every salmon that gets counted. So in a pool where I see a bunch of scoot off, usually I can gauge whether it's 50 or 25. And then I had portioned my tally whacker for that amount. What's it really like on top of the tower? You have a pretty good view of the whole like river because it's not so far wide. So you can pan then pretty much the whole river right from the middle. We go pretty slow. We just kind of meander down the river under power a little bit just to keep the boat in the main channel of the river and to have enough power just to scoot away from any deadfall or overhanging trees. So that is the number one hazard would be whether or not a tree is down low enough. And as I'm cruising underneath it, you know, it doesn't knock me off. But for the most part, it's pretty easy. There's no real rapid section. It's a pretty slow meandering stream. That's what makes it really nice for float trips and boating in a sense. It's all small pea gravel, so there's no big rocks and no major flow over the top. It stays about the same consistent flow pattern throughout the whole year. Huh. Sounds like a dream job. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Late October, <laughs> it's pretty cold in the interior of Alaska. And so usually you kind of feel like a marshmallow with all the layers that you have on underneath to stay warm. So this year, it seems like the Yukon has experienced some low runs with other salmon species as well. How does this year compare to other years? So the coho salmon coming back to the Clearwater this year is showing very poor return. We already had to close it starting August 26th, which is, in my recollection of time, the earliest that we've ever closed the sport fishery down for coho salmon. Usually we get a good initial count by the end of September. We get some information from the pilot station sonar that says the count's going to be better, but this year that just didn't happen. So unfortunately, we weren't able to have coho salmon fishing this season due to such a low return. In in a typical year, what are some of the logistics if folks want to fish this system? How do you get there? So if you're coming um, from Fairbanks, you would travel down the Richardson Highway and turn onto what's called Jack Warren Road. Um, it leads you to the Delta, or the Clearwater State Recreation Area. And at that location, there's a boat ramp where you can lo- launch a boat or there's some shore access for fishing. If you bring chest waders, it's easily crossable above the boat ramp and the state campground area. And then you can traverse along the shoreline, upriver, downriver to hit other sections. The boat's the best to have due to different locations where you can target sections of the river for fishing, but it's not necessarily needed if you don't have that resource. What kind of boat are folks typically using? Are there any limitations on size of motors or anything? In the Delta Clear River, there's no limitation on size of boat. You primarily want to have a jet boat. Some people use a mud buddy boat, basically a flat bottom boat. It's shallow in sections and it's a small river. So pretty much you don't want to have a huge boat, but like a 20 foot river boat with the jet unit on it is sufficient enough or some people bring inflatable rafts or you can kayak or you can canoe there's a nice little delta clearwater river float that starts at the campground you put in at the boat launch and it's a nice day trip that leads you down into a slew of the tanana and then you paddle up the clearwater lake outlet and across clearwater lake and it's a nice little float that you can do in a daytime or day trip 
What are some recommendations you have for what kind of gear people should bring in addition to warm weather gear? Yeah, so it is pretty much sight fishing. You're looking for sections, the deeper pools behind riffles where the fish are congregating. You can see easily just looking from the bank at the salmon in there building their reds. So, or from a boat, basically, as you're going downriver, upriver, you'll see them scoot by just because their bright red coloration is easily noticeable through that clear water. You'll even see grayling and whitefish species as well. And usually we start to see schools of them. You're getting close to some of the salmon building their reds as they're waiting to capitalize on some of those drifting eggs that don't get buried. Now, I imagine that these fish aren't feeding anymore. So what would you want to use to try and entice a coho? So pretty much the bigger flashy spoons or some um, fly fishermen use what's called a Hannah Montana. It's got some bright chartreuse or purple streamers to it and feathers. Um, It's a bigger flat fly lure with a lead head on it. But there's also just a pixie with a green or pink or red, or not red, sorry, orange. (laughs) that you can just cast in. You're basically, they're more aggressive. So if something's coming, floating by their face, they're just wandering off to attack it. So, and keep it away. So anything bright and flashy and even those spinners work well too. Okay. So it sounds like you want something that can get down on the bottom as well too. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, a weighted floor of some sort or a heavier spoon. You don't want something necessarily on the top. We did produce a video, How to Fish for Coho Salmon on the Delta Clearwater River. And in there, I kind of go through some of the tackle. And that's available on the Fishing Game website, correct? Yeah. Okay. I am curious, this far upstream, I got to assume that the muscles on these fish are probably beginning to atrophy. Are they still able to put up a good fight? Do people harvest and eat them? Do they still taste good? So they do put up a good fight. That's what the big draw for sport fishing on them but the table fare really depends on how you like your salmon later into the season they definitely don't taste that well their their flesh becomes mushy as they start consuming all of their you know interior flesh for spawning and as they get further into progression of spawning stages they just aren't good at all they start to get white fungus on them and they don't really put up much fight because they're on their dying stages. But early in the season, usually around the end of September to early October, is the best time to try to fish for coho salmon. That's kind of getting to their prime time of when they're entering the river. They're in abundant enough numbers to fish on. Some people smoke them this time of year, or if they're bright, still kind of a bright silvery, bright red, they'll end up flaying them and eating them that night. What's your favorite way to eat a coho salmon? So I'm probably not the best person because I don't like coho salmon. I don't like them out of the ocean. I don't like them out of the river. I like to fish them, but I don't eat them. Um, But if I were, usually smoked salmon is my my favorite go-to. Gotcha. I don't like salmon either. (laughs) (laughs) I'll eat them. I do. I like salmon. (laughs) I like Chitna River Sockeye and Yukon River Kings when you could fish them a while ago. So if you're going to practice catch and release on these fish, what are some tips in terms of handling to give them the best chance of surviving to finish their spawning migration? So like with any fish, if you plan to catch and release it, 
you want to make sure that you're not going to try to fight the fish all the way to the end. You want to have a net with you so that you can net it as it gets close to shore and not let it run out, you know, multiple times from the shore. You want to make sure as you go to release it that you've got wet hands and that you keep the fish in the water as much as possible. The other thing is, you know, you can use a treble hook on most of your big flashy spoons or lures. You get end up getting a treble hook, which is more than one hook on the bottom of the lure. If you plan to just release them, though, a single hook is easier than trying to get two hooks out of the fish. So just a suggestion, if you just know that you're not going to keep one, then go ahead and you could use a single hook. You can replace those treble hooks with single hooks. What proportion of fish caught in this fishery would you estimate end up being released? Oh, easily like 80%. For the most part, people are coming to the Delta Clearwater just to catch and release. There's a couple people who do harvest them, like I said earlier on in the season, but majority of the people are just catching and releasing. It's the last opportunity to kind of wet your line in the open water system. And it makes just some really beautiful pictures with the snow in the background sometimes some years or just those fall colors with the bright, clear river wow. and a bright red fish, you know. How many people can you expect to see on a typical day fishing? So if it's a really nice weekend, so you could probably easily see 100 people between the boats and or the shoreline. And they'll come and go, you know, people launch early in the day, fish for a while and then come back. And realistically, how long are you going to be standing in like 30 degree water and also 30 degree air temperatures? So when we do have a nice fall day, that's when I see the most effort out on the clear water. Otherwise, if you just kind of poke down there to the clear water campground to check on things, there's might be like a handful of people, no more than 10 usually. And they'll come and go like a car might pull in, family gets out, fishes for a couple hours, and they're back in the car and gone again. Do you have any take-home messages for folks that are wanting to go check this area out? I know you mentioned there's been more traffic there recently with, you know, social media kind of getting more popular. So the Delta Clearwater River in itself is just a beautiful area. It's once you get to that river and you really see how crystal clear the springs are and the gravels and just the habitat type of the black spruce with the turned orange willow bed in the fall. It's one of the most beautiful scenes, especially too, if you're early enough where you see the steam rising off from the warmer air temperatures and the cold, colder river water mixing. It really makes for a really unique scenery. I don't think you'll find anything else quite like it. Thanks, Brandy. This was great talking with you today. Really interesting to learn more about the coho salmon, the return to the Delta Clearwater River. We hope next year we see some better returns because we know how important salmon are to communities up and down the Yukon and all over Alaska. We encourage our listeners to keep learning about all the fish. Thank you. It's great talking with you guys. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich and my co-host is Guy Iro. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar, produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore, production management by Gabriella Montaguin, post-production by Alex Brower. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish. Fish of the week.